Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Booth, and I've been a clinical hypnotherapist since 2011. I specialise in helping people overcome anxiety and build confidence instead. This weekly podcast will cover a wide range of mental health issues related to anxiety, along with some helpful tips and suggestions that you can try at home. If you have any questions that you'd like answered in a future episode, then please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week I'm joined by Hilary Sims, who is an experienced professional counsellor, who is sharing her very valuable advice with us on the importance of not comparing ourselves to other people, the benefits of acknowledging our own achievements and how we can embrace our uniqueness even in a world where we think we should be doing the right thing. This is such a good episode. I really enjoyed recording this with Hilary and she's really very knowledgeable. So I really hope you enjoy and if you want to find out more about Hilary then her website is in the description for this episode. Enjoy. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit more and just tell us a little bit about what it is that you tend to do. Okay, I'm a self-employed counsellor. Um, Life Balance Counselling is my own private practice, which I've been doing for six and a half years. Um, it was all face-to-face counselling, but obviously since COVID, we're now online or, or telephone, whichever people prefer. And I work with um, adults with anxiety and I've found a lot with the anxiety, it triggers their low self-esteem as well. So by working to um, decrease their anxiety, I'm hopefully increasing their low self-esteem as well. Yeah, I have to say in my practice, uh, self-esteem does seem to be a really common denominator. So there's the anxiety about whatever it is that they're anxious about, whether that's a general thing or whether it's a specific thing. But then there's this lack of self-belief and this almost belief that they're not capable or they're not good enough um, in order to actually overcome the anxiety. So, yeah. Self-esteem for me has been quite a big thing as well. So when you're working with clients, what would you say the key thing about self-esteem is? Uh, their belief that I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not as good as everybody else. We, For some reason, we go through this habit of wanting to compare ourselves with other people. And once we start to compare ourselves with other people, sadly, it has a negative effect on us. And that's even whether we know, whether we compare up or we compare down. But instead of comparing ourselves to people, other people, we need to learn that to love ourselves and appreciate we're all unique individuals and we all bring different things to the table. And therefore, we will all do things in a different way. And I think, thankfully, we are all different because if not, we would all be a bunch of robots. And how boring would that be? So it's interesting you say that self-esteem can be affected, obviously, by comparing up. I mean, we all have people in our lives who seem to just have it together constantly. But you also said by comparing down. So what kind of things can affect self-esteem by comparing downwards? Well, some some people, um, it's I don't deserve this because those people who I'm comparing down to don't have it. Therefore, why should I champion it? Well, actually, we're all in different places at different times of our life and varying different things. So some, if you're in a bad place feeling about yourself, you can use anything as a, um, a tool against yourself. So in a negative way. So even though a um, person above me has got a four bedroom house, I've got a two bedroom flat and I own my two bedroom flat, but a friend of mine might be renting a one bedroom flat. 
So, well, well, why should I have a two-bedroom flat when they've only renting? You know, so it, it's they even know it seems strange going downwards. I have found that a lot of people do use that as a, a tool to beat themselves up with. But I can't say, look what I have. And it's not about going, look what I have. It's about championing your own achievements. Yeah, okay, that sounds really important, to be honest, to be able to, at least to yourself, say, these are things that I've achieved and these are the things that I've done. So I'm in, well, able to have these things that I've managed to, to get. Yeah, and we're not doing it in a, oh, look at me, aren't I good way. We're doing it in a way that just says, hey, do you know what? You've worked hard, you deserve this. Because how many people actually take that time in a day to actually give themselves a pat on the back and actually go, do you know what? You've done well there today. You've done a good job today. Instead, we get to the end of the day and some, you get home and your partner says, how's your day been? Oh, it's been really bad. This bad thing's happened. That bad thing's happened. This went wrong. So in eight hours, three things have gone wrong. What about the other seven and a half hours? There must have been something good going right. But we don't see that. We just sadly see the bad thing. And that's that's the case when you're comparing yourself with other people. It's a real it's a real bad tool. It's not a good way to be at all. Um, but it's about not telling everybody, oh, I'm fantastic. I'm this. It's just about appreciating how good you are as a person. So that's quite a key difference there between becoming somebody who's quite arrogant because they feel like they deserve all the good things they have compared to somebody who presumably can just take on a quiet appreciation for what it is that they've achieved that day not necessarily having to post it on social media or go out of their way to let everyone know, but just have that internal knowledge that today something went well and I did a good job. Is that yeah. the kind of thing that you're, yeah. Yeah, because we see, as you know, and we've met through social media, everybody sees everything on social media and all oh, this person's posting, they've had this for tea and this person's got this and this person's got that. And we get an insight into people's lives that we would never no without social media but then when we look at it and we go oh well they've got this posh meal well I've only got bangers and mash so what that's what I wanted for tea today that's what makes me feel good what's wrong with that but it's about being the best person I can be not trying to be something I'm not not trying to um set myself up to be the same as somebody else and all that actually does is give me a fall and then once again, I see myself as a failure. So once again, I'm back on that cycle of beating myself up again. I had a really interesting chat, another one of these guest series with a social media expert. And he was talking about how the concept of fake it till you make it was really popular a few years ago. And it almost created this online etiquette whereby you only really show the absolute best parts of your life and even go to the extent of maybe hiring out cars and things to make it look like you're more successful than you are. I mean, he was talking from like a business point of view, but I wonder if it's worth having a chat about the role that social media can play, because I mean, I'm friends with loads of people who, you know, they have amazing lives and they have beautiful pictures to show for it, but I can't necessarily recreate some of those things. So it's difficult sometimes not to then compare. But would you want to create those, recreate those things? That's their life, not your life. We, we, we really all need to learn that we are all unique and we all do things different. If we were all given a thousand pounds, if some nice person came along and said, there's a thousand pounds, and give that thousand pounds to five different people, they'd do five different things with it. Some would spend it all, some would invest it all, some would spend a little bit, save a little bit, but we'd all do different things with it. And that's what we do with our life as well. 
and um, where I've worked with young people, um, young people in social media obviously just go hand in hand and they see their friends doing this, they're doing that, they're doing the other, this is their perception. And I said, well, actually, if your life, if their life was that good, would they really need to be posting it all on social media? Because what's the purpose of posting it on social media? To get a like, to get a comment. Well, what do those likes, what do those comments do to me? They build up my self-esteem. Okay, that's interesting. So we can consider why people are posting in the first place and whether or not there's something that they're missing, which is causing them to put across this, this image that we're all then comparing ourselves to. So it's almost like we're comparing ourselves to something that's not real. Mm. Well, you, you think about, we all, we all now can see the, the lives of footballers and people that have got, you know, mad money that most of us can never even imagine. They've got this car, that car, they do this, they've got, you know, they do the other. But that's because they earn what they earn. That's because they've had the opportunities they've, they've had. But yeah, why am I having to put it all over social media? If I know I'm in a good place and I'm happy with the life I've got and the people that my friends and the things that I do, why do I need to post it all over social media to get a like? Because there are some people who post nearly every minute of every day. You know, I know we all post on there. I'm not saying I don't put things on there, but it's not about saying to people, look what I've got. And that's, you know, and that is for some people, it's really bad because they try to aspire to be these people. Well, with the best will in the world, we can't all aspire to be, let's use it, professional footballer. You know, two left feet or an inability to kick the football or whatever. And the amount of people that are in the world very few people actually make it to that level, but we all have this aspire to be that. All we have to be is aspire to be the best version of ourselves. And the best version of ourselves is where we want to be. It's not about trying to live somebody else's life through me. That sounds like amazing advice. Working with people through lockdown, there's been so many different responses to lockdown that it really makes people judge themselves quite harshly on their own response to lockdown. So I think I'm right in saying that all of us have probably gone through various phases of being very productive, very motivated, enjoying the time off, feeling quite low, feeling quite bored, feeling quite frustrated, like all of these different emotions just come and go at different points. I mean, we're, as we're recording this, we're in lockdown three um, in the UK. So we're all starting to get a little bit tired and fed up of it all. So sometimes it's not even comparing what people have, it seems to be comparing what people are able to do as well, which can then damage our self-esteem because we think, why aren't I doing yoga every day? Why aren't I going out running? Why aren't I doing all these things, baking whatever it was, banana bread that everybody was doing at one point? But it's about being the best version of me. I might, I might not be the runner, I might not be the baker, but I've got other skills. I might be a knitter or a sewer. Or I might be good at I might be good at artwork, but it's about championing what you're good at, not going, oh, everybody else is doing that. I need to do this. This is where our uniqueness needs to come to the forefront rather than being follower of the pack. And I think that's a, a real big difference for people. People think we oh, when I get to this stage, I should do this. When I get to this stage, I should do that. And I should fit in. Uh, like a little pigeonhole or something. This is what I should be doing at this stage. No, we all do it differently. We're all unique and it's about championing our uniqueness. One of the um, fun things that I like doing with clients, um, and sometimes we talk about on the podcast as well, is the use of the word should. 
And I really try and get people to think about that word and why they're saying it and whether or not it has any benefit to them whatsoever. So that word should is one of my personal bugbears. But yeah, you're right. There is that sense of having to achieve certain things by certain times in our lives. It's like when go back to the word should, great word. I always ask my client, whose rules that? (laughs) Who said you should do this? Who said you should do that? And I know that comes from parenting and parents go, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. But when you are an adult, you can then choose what you do and when you do it. You're living by your own rules. And I, I have a lot of people who are adults as far as like being over 18 comes, but actually struggle to realize they're an adult and actually struggle to give themselves permission to do the things they want to do because they're comparing, oh, I should be doing this because so I should be married with kids, I should be this, I should be that. Whose rules are they? And when you ask a client that question, whose rules are they? They sort of look at you as if to say, I've never thought of it like that. Who's telling you you should do this? You're actually telling it you now, I get that, but why are you telling it you? Yeah, where has that come from? Yeah, yeah, and I also use it. It's a big, it's a big stick they carry around to beat themselves with, the should stick. No, well, we break that should stick and we leave it somewhere. We stop <laughs> carrying it around with us because it's damaging. Yeah. I love that analogy. So yeah. anyone listening, make sure you break your should stick. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? What, what I'm, I'm walking around with it and a piece of in the stick beating myself on the head saying I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I should be doing... Says who? Whose rules are they? And it can be in the counselling room, that can be a real light bulb moment of people go, well, yeah, why am I telling myself that? Yeah, there's so many bizarre rules that we, we all try and live by. And actually, when we start really thinking about those rules and why they're there and are they actually of any benefit to me, it really does open up a huge amount of freedom to actually just explore whatever it is that you want to have a go at. Because when there's no should, there's kind of no failure as well. So you can't really fail at anything. So you might as well just give stuff a go. As I say, it's about, yeah, jump in. Let's give it a go. Let's see what I can actually do. And if I fail, I fail. I pick myself up, dust myself off and try something else. You know, we've all learned over life through school and whatever. You can't all be the best at everything. There's nobody. It's not possible. So we just have to do our best. And if I do my best today, what more could I have done? Instead of going, you should have done this, you should have done that, you should have done the other. No. Have I have I achieved today what I plan to set out to achieve? On the whole, yes. And if you haven't, don't beat yourself up about it. Stick the things you haven't done on tomorrow's to-do list. There's always tomorrow. Tomorrow will come round and you can pick up things. Don't see it as a failure. Look at the list. If you make a list, and I love to-do lists, if you make a list, focus on the things you have done rather than the things you haven't done. Because out comes our should list, our should stick again, saying, I should have completed this list today. Well, I didn't. And I didn't for lots and lots of reasons. Yeah, and there can be so many reasons, can't there? I mean, all sorts of things happen on a daily basis. And sometimes we're just not having a good day, and that's kind of okay too. Mm-hmm. I have days where I'm really not as productive as maybe I intended to be in the morning, but that's okay. We have those days. One of the things that I quite like. Um, talking about with clients maybe this is just the type of client they end up working with is we almost develop a bit of a subversive attitude to these rules and a little bit of a rebellion against these rules that we've made up in our heads and that can be quite fun for people because they can start being a bit rebellious towards themselves 
and a bit rebellious towards these rules that they've made up. And that can be a really fun exercise to have a go at and think how you can rebel against these things that you're thinking. It's like quite often with clients, I'll get them to write shuts down on a list. Every time in the, between, between our sessions, every time in that week, write down when you think of the word should. And what scenario was it? What was I telling myself? And let's see if we can reframe it. Because it's, it's nice to go, well, if I've got time, I could do this. If, you know, if I haven't got time, it doesn't matter. It's not an issue. It's me setting my own rules. And, that, and that's the thing here. And this is about, with the self-esteem, I find it's about people liking themselves. If they can learn to like themselves as they are. I mean, the example I always give is, I'm five foot nothing tall. I'm always the one in the supermarket that has to ask the other person, could you reach that off the top shelf for me? So I would love to be taller. It's never going to happen. So I've learned to live with it. I just have to pick my hand up and say, excuse me, could you just get those things off the top shelf for me? And everybody will help you. It's not a problem. So it's appreciating who you are, what you are, and the things you've been given and making the best of what you are. Yeah, so that theme of people liking themselves, that can be a real challenge. Because I think um, depending on the person's upbringing, there can often be a sense of, not having any reason to like themselves or not having been shown how to like themselves beforehand. So for people who are really struggling with that idea of demonstrating that kind of like towards themselves, what kind of things do you find work with clients? Quite often, um, well, write things down. What do I like about myself? What am I, once again, back to comparison, what are comparing myself to? You know, what would I like to be? How do I see myself and what would I like to be? And then we look at what you are, what you actually have got. And then when they start to realise what they've already got, oh, I have actually got something that's good. You know, and quite, as you say, quite often, it does go back to childhood. And if we've not been turned to like us, taught to like ourselves or to champion ourselves as a child, it can be a big hurdle. And like some, a good example, particularly, is when we're at school and we come home and we've got a bee. We're proud of the bee. But we get home and suddenly the parent says, if you'd have revised a little bit more, you might have got an A. But they didn't. They got a B. They did the best on that day and got a B. So let's make a big thing about that B because that was the best performance of them on that day. And if you always think everything I do is not good enough because somebody else tells me it's not good enough, that's where big issues start. That idea of letting other people really influence the way we think seems to be quite a common theme throughout all of this, whether it's because they're demonstrating they've got more stuff or they're doing more than you or whether they're judging you for what you haven't done. It does seem like other people tend to be the issue. Yeah, your perception of other people is quite yeah. often the issue. Yeah, how I, how I, social media once again, lets us see other people and everything. But yeah, it's, it's my view of other people and I can put them, I can see positives about them but actually I only ever see negatives about me. And I, I saw, I was doing some work yesterday and I saw a picture and it says, I, I hate nothing about you. Well, actually, does that indicate then you hate lots of things about yourself? And it made me start to think that's really, really quite a powerful thing. I hate nothing about you. Okay, why are you focusing on that other person? Why aren't you focusing on you and learning to love you? some people it's scary to look at themselves I get that because some people have had terrible experiences and stuff and it's scary to actually look at the experiences that have brought them to where they are 
that some people are so used to focusing on everybody else rather than actually looking at themselves and seeing themselves as a good person. That sounds really powerful. Just just sometimes, and sometimes just little statements that you say to the client. Oh, I'm going to write that down. And I've, and I've had clients in the past things that we've said, I've put that statement on the fridge. So every time I go to the fridge, I read that statement and it reminds me I am an okay person. I, I am, I've achieved my goals. You know, and just by just, you know, it can just be four or five little words that says, I am okay. One of the things that I discuss quite a lot with clients, um, which can be really interesting, is the idea of maximizing and minimizing. And the habit we often have of maximizing other people's achievements and value and worth and things like that, and then minimizing our own. And then the reverse when it comes to negative things. And it's really interesting how our perception of things can be so altered in a way and so skewed towards thinking other people are better than us yeah i come across that a lot we, we see all the good that every, all the good everybody else does but actually see no good in in our ourselves which is really really quite sad because if we don't love ourselves and look after ourselves who does and how can you ever love anybody else if you actually don't love yourself and if every time you look at anything you do you go oh, well, I didn't achieve very well there, or I didn't do that very good. But actually, when my friend comes around and says, oh, guess what? I did so-and-so today. You go, that's really, really good. Okay. When did you last say that to yourself? Oh, I never do that to myself. So it's about looking at my positives. What have I actually achieved today? What have I actually done that's really made me the person I am? And discount, as you say, all the negative all the negative views we all have days where life's up and down and at the moment we're all getting them through one thing or another but it's about going okay it's not a great place stuck at home not being able to see your family but actually what are the positives I can do I can make out of this and that it's really important at the moment that we can see some positives out of the situation that we're in yeah and I think there's been a couple of days certainly for me where at the end of the day I've just had to say you know what I'm just so glad that I got the opportunity to sit and watch TV all day because that's what happened. That's what I needed to do. I needed a break and life goes on. And I think uh, it can be quite challenging to accept kind of all aspects of ourselves, even those aspects that maybe do need a break or do need to stop or do need to actually take some time away. So we're kind of starting to talk about self-care now. So improving our self-esteem, being kinder to ourselves, and then actually looking after ourselves in a really positive way. So what kind of issues with self-care have you come across? Lots of them. Um, clients don't know how to put themselves first. The thing I've written about recently is um, like pleasing other people. So for instance, I'm absolutely exhausted. I've done all my work, but some work colleague comes along and says, oh, do you think you could just do this for me? yes, yes, I'll do that for you. And then that colleague goes home and you're stuck there for another hour finishing their work off. And then you go, well, why did I say yes? Why have I put them as being more important than me? I'm stuck here doing their work when they've actually gone home, when I didn't really want to do it. So it's learning to actually put myself to the forefront. Why am I saying yes to all these people? Why am I not looking after myself and actually going, hey, do you know what? This is, I can't do all this work. I'm not superwoman or super person, I don't wear my pants on the outside. I need to actually put myself first and go, why am I doing this? And a lot of people do this because they believe if they please other people, these people will like them. No, these people will like them because of the person they are. 
because the other people will actually see the person that the client is, where the client may not actually see that themselves. So it's a case of why am I actually doing this? Am I doing it because I want to do it? Or am I feeling I, back to that word again, should do it? Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there. And I, I do get that with a lot of clients. Well, if I don't do that, people won't like me. Well, yes, they will. And also you'll have the energy then to actually enjoy yourself and the things you do because you're not working 18 hours a day. And I've just yeah. worked with a client who had that exact issue and she said, I'm just looking forward now to the new journey of learning about me and putting myself to the front of the queue. You know, not looking at the back of everybody else's head in the queue. I'm actually going to be at the front of the queue and see what's there. Oh, I'm really excited for them. I hope that that goes well. I'm sure it will go well, because once you start discovering that, it's quite difficult to go back again when you realise how important it is. One of the things that I love doing with clients, I do a lot of assertiveness training and learning how to say no is one of the biggest things that we work on. Learning how to say no politely in a nice way, but still in a firm, non-negotiable, this is not an option for me at this point. Is yeah. just, I love doing it with clients. It seems to give them so much power back. It's then when they come back the next session and go, do you know what, I did it. I actually said no. And well, how did it feel? It felt really good. And how did they react to you? They just said, okay, that's fine, thank you. No, you know, there was no thought, there was no nastiness or anything like that. They just managed to say no and actually put themselves to the front of the queue. And what a difference it makes to you. You know, it's really difficult. If you've done it for years and years, and I work with clients of all ages, and there's people in their 50s and their 60s that are still doing it. And it's really difficult. I have a type, my type is to say yes. But then when I learn to say no, what a difference it makes to me. It values me as a person. What are the self-care things do you recommend? Oh, just one, I don't know. Um, you can pick several if you like. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> taking time out for yourself. Reflect, mm -hmm. reflecting, reflect on your day, particularly where you're not used to championing yourself. Reflect on your day. Write things down that you're proud of that you've actually done that day. Start to write a diary every day, just a couple of little things of, yeah, this went well today, that went well today. And then start to, once you've written it for a few days, start to go back to the beginning and see what things have got better. And it's just about being able to appreciate yourself. But I think write, writing is so, so powerful that if you actually write it down, you can actually go, I did this today. I did this today. This went well. And it's, it's learning to say I. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way of taking ownership of it. One of the exercises I like to use is to write down three positive things from that day. And you can kind of take that in whatever way you want. So you can either just pick things that have happened um, or you can pick things that you've done or depends on what the client's working on, really. But that's a really simple but powerful exercise that I found seems to make quite a massive difference to people when they keep it up regularly. And I also think writing it down, if you've got it written down, it's there, I can read it. It's sort of oh my goodness, it must be true because it's out there now because I've written it down. It's not just going around in my head. And actually, once you've written it down, go back and read it. And how does that make me feel when I read it? And that's the thing, actually, once it's out of my head on a piece of paper, well, it's got to be true. 
and it's actually seeing it and it the when clients come back to the next session and have, oh I've written these down and this has happened to me and I've done this well and, and you're already seeing that shift in positivity it's incredible and then after a few weeks of working together the client will go oh well we've been working for a number of weeks and, and, and what's changed so we'll go back to their first session and talk about the things that we we were talking about in the first session well I don't do that anymore and I don't do that anymore there you go you can see the journey that counseling has taken you on <laughs> that sounds amazing I had a lot of fun this year around New Year's because I think there's always this New Year's resolutions and there's always stuff all over social media about New Year's resolutions whether they're good or bad goals intentions there's all this stuff going on um, and with a few of my clients we decided to turn it around and actually make a list of last year's achievements and a few people found it quite difficult and obviously lockdown COVID um, initially made it more difficult but once they'd started some of them ended up with lists and lists of things that they'd managed to achieve last year and rather than setting like new goals and putting pressure on and getting into the should area they sort of started getting excited about doing some of those things again or building on some of those things and it was just such a different way of thinking about it but it's once again focusing on what i have done not what I haven't done. And it's all right. I think setting goals is fantastic and everybody has to have them, you know, but there can be a negative um, connotation to them because if I don't achieve them all, well, there we go, I failed again. Well, no, because you might have failed because of things that aren't in your control. But actually, I think reflecting back on your year, particularly last year for everybody, um, whether you've cleared the loft out or redecorated or what you did last year, but yeah, it's, re it's really positive and that's a great way. And that's, it's all about championing you as a person. And I think, I know anxiety is the main thing we've been talk started to talk about, but this for me and how people feel about themselves and going into social situations and talking at work and that type of thing is what creates a lot of people's anxiety. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's that not having the confidence to be able to cope in situations that causes a lot of problems. And if they're constantly talking themselves down, then they're not gonna believe in themselves. So often the anxiety is kind of a bit of a symptom of something else. Um, so yeah, I, I agree these things are so important to work on. Yeah, and, and what do people think of me? That's a big question which comes with people's um, lack of self-esteem. How do you know what people think of you? Because you don't know what somebody else is thinking. Yeah, so it's that is, that's a real, real common one that is across across all ages as well. That, you know, well, what do people think of me? Well, how do you know? Like in the counselling room, how do you know what I'm thinking at the moment? Well, I don't. Well, there you go then. <laughs> but it's it's really, really difficult. But it's about empowering the people to actually see how good they actually are and how the things that they do achieve. For people who listen regularly, I talk a lot about cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, so we talk about cognitive distortions a lot. And that mind reading just seems to be something that everybody gets stuck in. And it's actually something that I have to be quite aware of as well in myself, because it's so easy to fall into that hole of worrying about what somebody else is thinking. And you really have to mentally decide, actually, this is not what I think it is. And... <laughs> <laughs> when, you're so wrapped, when you're so wrapped up in it you can't actually see you can convince yourself that this is what I am thinking yeah because when it, beca when it becomes um too much 
you can convince yourself quite easily yeah this is what I'm really thinking this is what's really happening yeah and that's that's very true I use cognitive behavioral therapy a lot in the counseling room and it's a great it's a great toolbox great tools of all sorts of things for you to for you to use but yeah it is it's so easy to get stuck in this um mindset of I should be doing this I'm not good enough I am a failure and it's it once you've got into that downward spiral you you do need some support to be able to get back up because you just continue down and down and down you you need somebody to help you go well here's a set of tools let's try this see if this works and just sometimes just getting them to view themselves in a different way and just more positive that I do matter is a real they, they might disappear then they might only have three or four weeks of therapy but they know at that stage they're coping better and off they go yeah and then sometimes they might come back a few months down the line when you know things have happened again I need I need to just reset you know so it's, it's about the cognitive behavioral therapy is about giving you a new way of viewing things and a set of tools to help deal with things in a more positive way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I absolutely love CBT and it goes really nicely with um, hypnotherapy because we can actually get people to practice thinking differently in situations whilst they're under hypnosis. So that's a personal thing for me that I find really exciting. And it's interesting to hear you talking about the, the kind of journey that people go through, because I know from a personal level through my own therapy journey that you kind of work on things in bits and pieces almost and you kind of get the hang of something and you go away and you kind of practice that for a bit. But then once that's kind of resolved, you realise, well, actually, this way of thinking is not really helping me as well. And it just becomes this sort of ongoing thing. And I find it really exciting when people realise that things like self-esteem, things like improving our confidence are kind of a lifelong journey and something that we kind of need to get excited about exploring a little bit and looking into as many different things as we can to try and improve those things about ourselves. The thing is as well, people seem to think, oh, therapy is going to be an overnight fix. Wave the magic wand, she's got all the answers, it's going to be sorted. No, it is a journey. It is the client who does the work. They are the ones that change themselves because sadly I can't change the other person. Um, but the, the minute they've grasped the tool that works for them and they can see how... A, what a difference it makes to them it's incredible and as you say things happen to us and we can be feeling on top of the world and then we get some bad news and that can dent our self-confidence and it might only be a little bit of a for a little while but it does affect our self-confidence and then sometimes we do have to press the reset button and right what was that tool that the counselor gave me how do I do it you know and quite, that that is it with with and a lot of my clients so they have a little Hillary on their shoulder and well, what would Hillary say at this moment in time? Well, if it works, it works. It doesn't matter. It just actually makes them stop and think, am I doing this in the best way possible for me? I think most of us who've been through therapy at some point in our lives have thought, what would my therapist say about this? And it has been actually really quite helpful to reframe it and think, OK, yes, they probably tell me this. <laughs> and it, it takes you out of that moment, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so easy when you're in that moment just to go with the flow and know, well, this is yeah, this is my knee-jerk reaction to this, where actually if you say, right, well, what would my therapist say? It actually makes you stop and think a little bit and step back and then you can, oh yeah, that's a better way for me to deal with it rather than dealing with it in the other way. So one of the things that I've been looking into a lot recently, um, partly to do with my studies, but also just partly because this kind of thing interests me quite a lot, is a lot of the research around self-compassion and how beneficial that is to our lives. 
So we've kind of touched on a lot of self-compassion style things anyway, but I was just curious to know what kind of things you recommend to clients who are really struggling because it can seem like such an alien concept. Well, initially we'd probably go back and look why, what's making them feel like that, whether particularly pleasing other driver, you know, putting other people first and whatever, and work with little tiny, set them little tiny tasks in between sessions. So what, what is a um, scenario where you know you do this a lot? Well, okay, let's go the next time we go to that scenario. Okay, when, when the question comes up about me helping or whatever, I've got to take a breath, take control of my breathing, count to five, and then think about the answer. So it gives me the time to think, am I going to say yes here because I want to say yes, or am I saying yes because I think they um, want me to say yes? And if it's they want me to say yes, the answer is definitely no. And it's starting to build with those little um, little changes and actually challenging the client. And I know it's difficult in some scenarios for the client, I get that, but actually challenging the client in that scenario to try to say no, because then actually once you start to say no and see how that feels for you, that will start to build self-compassion. You're actually then starting to see yourself as equal to other people. Because I, I use a uh, saying where, would you treat your friends like this? And why have you got a different set of rules for you from what you've got for your friends? And you give your friends a far better set of rules than you give yourself. It's fascinating, you? isn't it? And people go, oh, I don't realise I do that. Well, you do, <laughs> because you're saying that's okay for your friend to do that, but you're not saying it's, you're saying it's not okay for you to do it in that way. So it's, it's, it's a really difficult one to actually get people to give that self-compassion, to give that love to themselves that they would automatically give to other people? Would you tell a friend off if they did that? No. So why do you tell yourself off? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. That's um, that's a really good exercise that I like to use as well. What, what would you say to a friend who is experiencing this situation as you're experiencing it? Because it does make people think differently, takes them outside of that situation. And I think with self-compassion, there are so many reasons why people find it hard. And obviously exploring those with a counsellor would be a, a really good starting point. But going forwards, what kind of differences do you see in people when they start actually showing themselves some of this compassion and value that they deserve? They can go, they go after op new opportunities. I know it sounds daft because we sit in the counselling room, but they seem taller. They say they seem to like hold themselves up more, be more confident and actually can see the value that they bring to the table. It's, it's amazing to see a client sit opposite you and go, I tried that and that worked. And I just felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. It's like I've grown two inches because I'm not carrying all this other stuff around with me. And actually when they start to see the value of themselves and they're not comparing themselves to other people and putting themselves in a negative way, the goals they then go out, the things they go out there and achieve is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it can be really exciting, can't it? When a client comes back and they tell you what they've been doing and there's part of you that's like, wow, I didn't even know that was something you wanted to do, but that's cool. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, you've empowered them to go out there and try something different. And particularly, I'm, I'm going to use the older person, but somebody in their 50s or even their 60s that's been doing this for that length of time to then go out there and do it differently is such an achievement, you know, and then for them to actually come back and say, I actually said no to somebody this week. 
because I didn't want to do it. It's amazing, really. And to actually then see, well, actually, and nothing bad's happened to me when I said no, it was actually okay. And then they can they can learn to do it more, more and more. And it just gives them the freedom to live their life like they should be living it. That word again. <laughs> like they could be enjoying could living it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's it's so empowering for the person. It, as I say, it's, it's like their chains have been cut. I can actually go out there and live my life. That sounds amazing. So for people who are anxious about getting help or worried that they're not bad enough to get help, what kind of things, I mean, how do you encourage people to really think about going to see someone, not necessarily us, but someone maybe local to them or someone that they like, whatever? What advice would you give somebody? If you're struggling, if you're struggling with anything, it doesn't matter what you're struggling with, if you've got disturbed night's sleep, because that's a good way, because normally when we're worrying about something or um, bothered about something, we can be awake all night, batting it round in our head. So if you're struggling to sleep, if you're finding that you're not functioning properly on a day-to-day basis, that's the time to put your hands up and say, I need some help. And that can either be private counselling, it can be via UGP. Obviously now there's online counselling, telephone counselling. There is lots of help out there. Social media will, will find new counsellors and everything. Um, but yeah, if you're struggling with sleep, struggling to sort of focus on what you're doing, anxiety can be coming in. So think about how am I feeling physically as well? If you're finding things hard work, that's the time to actually go, I think I need some help. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it can be quite a big demonstration of self-compassion to actually go and get help from somebody. Um, and it can be a challenge. Clients do find it challenging, but the rewards can be so great that I almost want to encourage everybody at some point in their lives to at least have a go at therapy um, and think about things just a little bit different and see how they could maybe improve parts of their life. Because you don't have to have really bad mental illness. You don't have to be at the point at which you can't cope anymore. And you don't have to have had a really horrible past to get value from some of the work that we do with clients. It's about seeing you, am I, am I functioning in the best way possible I can today? And if I can say yes to that, I'm okay. If I'm saying no, I need some help. And it might just be a little help, one, two sessions, or it might be longer term than that. So yeah, it, if, you're not, if you're just not feeling right, that's the time. And the hardest thing I know is putting your hand up in the first place and saying, I need help. And particularly for men, that's what I found over the last 12 months. Men actually putting their hand up and saying, I need help. It's okay to say, I need help. It's okay to ask for help. That's the start of looking after yourself by actually saying, I need some help. Yeah, absolutely. For some clients, we rephrase it as coaching sometimes because it makes them feel better. Um, but the reality is that we're working on the same kind of things. So whatever you want to call it, get, some help. Sure get the help. <laughs> <laughs> go, and go and have a conversation with somebody we can call it that you know just yeah. don't have, it's like having a conversation with a chat with a friend but it's a friend <laughs> you don't know yeah who's got no pre preconceived ideas about you doesn't know your past only knows the things that you choose to share in the counseling room that sounds amazing so where can people find out more information about you specifically about me i have a website which is www.lifebalancecounseling.net um, you can email me if you've got any questions at hillary at lifebalancecounseling.net 
or my phone number is 07850 447 585. I am on Facebook and I am on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can also find me on there too. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so at the moment you're offering things like video counselling um, for people that aren't local, but otherwise whereabouts are you based? I'm based in Stourbridge in the West Midlands. And as you say, yes, at the moment, everything is online. Uh, but no, normally, under normal circumstances, it would be in my counselling room at, uh, at my house. But location's not a problem now because we can do it all virtually. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast for notifications on future episodes. And if you have the time to write a quick review, then that would be greatly appreciated. To find out more about me and the work that I do, please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.